Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. New series uh, that we're doing. Uh, it's called Gloves Off. And uh, this is basically the gloves are coming off. And this it's fight time. It's go time. And, and what really this series is about is really I have some things that I want to share that I believe are going to be really punchy. I, I pray that they're convicting. I pray that they're rewarding. I pray that they're challenging. And I pray that it's something that inspires you. That when you go out of here, you actually want to make change. It wasn't like, oh, that was a great message. And we just live our lives the same way. My prayer is that this would bring change for you today. And so if you guys are ready for me to jump into the message, give me a yes. You are alive this morning. Man, I feel like I'm preaching in the South right now. This is awesome. Come on, Pastor, bring it. Let's do it. Yeah. In the South, man, they like stand up and they, yeah, I got a hand over here. It's it's crazy. But Derek and I have been down there before. It's awesome. Um, There's this story that I love and uh, we're going to jump in here. And it's this guy and his name's George, if you're from South, maybe Jorge. And, and George is, he, he's walking alongside a cliff. He's hiking. He loves hiking. And, and a real narrow path. I love hiking too. And, and uh, you know, he's watching the birds and he gets a little bit distracted where he's going. And, and all of a sudden he slips off this cliff and then he falls. And, and he's holding on to this branch. And he's like, he's dangling, man, like everything. And he's, he's holding on for dear life. And he's going, he's going, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? And, and he's, he's like, help help and he's not hearing anything he's not hearing anybody communicate with him at all and and he reaches up and he goes he goes god are you there god hello god and he hears this real deep voice yes george it's me and george is like um god i could use a little help right now and god goes george do, do you trust me yes yes i trust you i trust you and god says george do you believe in me yes yes i believe in you i believe in you and, and god says then i'm going to ask you to do something and george says whatever it is i'll do i'll do i'll do and, and god says then george here's what i need you to do george i need you to let go of the branch and george thinks about it for a moment and he shouts out he goes anybody else up there <laughs> here's the deal a few years ago, um, we used to meet in an elementary school, okay? We don't anymore praise Jesus, okay? And, and we, did, we set up and tore down every single week for three years. We used to have to drive a 24-foot trailer up our long driveway on the ice, my wife had to do it one time and my garage is still standing somehow. <laughs> but here we are and we're meeting in the elementary school, St. Francis Elementary, and it's always super clean in there. And we get in the, the gym and uh, uh, I just want to say I appreciate that you know my sarcasm because some people don't. I, I helped teach a high school class this last week. Not one laugh at all. They thought I was dead serious. It was funny to me. Um, <laughs> We get in, and if you've been in the gym before in the elementary in St. Francis, that's where we first met. And, and uh, it was a Sunday where we had asked and we had paid for the entire gym. Some of you know the story. And half the gym was closed because they were having a book fair. And I was like, we paid for this. I was so mad. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, come on. And I talked to the overseers, and I'm like, what are you, are you kidding me? Like, we gave our, our people who are generous gave so that we could rent this out. And this isn't fair. And I was just whining, 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 complaining. You know, like George hanging on the, on the branch. Like, God, help. 
help. And so rather than me like send somebody at the school a nasty gram, I prayed. And I prayed to God. And just as it was for George hanging on the branch, I don't know about you, but there's often in our lives, sometimes we desire to hear God speak, but then when he does, we wish it was something different. Yeah, we're gloves off right now. And, and what will happen is, I pray and I'm like, God, what do we do? Like, Lord, don't you see me? I'm pastoring this church. We're supposed to... And God goes, take an offering for him and give it away. What? I don't know. That's stupid. That's not, that's not God. Heather, this is what I think God's... Oh, I think that is. Hey, elder team, I think this is what... Yeah. Hey, staff. Hey, team. Hey, church. And then we, the church raised this $400, our little tiny church at the time, and we gave this offering. I still have a card signed by every kid in St. Francis Elementary thanking us for the books that we gave like eight, nine years ago as a church. Okay? We don't always know why God's doing what He's doing. What I want to do this morning is I want us to uh, look at something biblically and I want us to kind of rearrange our lives a little bit after we leave today. I want you to be super duper challenged today. That's my goal. I've been praying over this message for like eight weeks and, and I pray that today it would just hit home with you. And so if you have a Bible uh, you, or the U version, you can join us. We're headed to Nehemiah and you're going to want to go to chapter 7 and 8 and we're going to be between those two this morning. It's one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. I've studied it for years. I've looked at it. I, I, I don't have it memorized, but I love the scripture and the story uh, between Ezra and Nehemiah. In fact, there's two books in the Old Testament, uh, but they're technically in the Hebrew literature. They're one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. So if you want to read them together, read them both together. But I want to start here in chapter 7 verse 73 and then chapter 8 verse 1. They kind of run into each other and I believe we have it on the screen here if you don't have a Bible with you. It says, when the seven month came, all the people gathered into the square before the water gate. Alright, so what's going on here? Who, who are the people gathered at, at Jerusalem's water gate? What, what is this water gate? And here's what I want you to imagine, and we'll unpack this in just a moment. I want you right now to imagine you weren't raised in, in the United States. Imagine that you were raised in Middle East Iraq, like Baghdad. That's where you're ra- Your culture's here, but you're raised in this other country. You don't know their traditions. You don't know their way of life. They serve different gods. You know, we serve the real God, and you're going, how do I do this? And that's what was happening to these people. And here we find them back in Jerusalem. And here's what took place is, uh, what, what happened is, Nehemiah got a vision in his mind to go and rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. And we might think, who cares about a wall in the city? The wall was the city in that day. And so he gets there, and if you just look at these bricks for a moment, I'm going to use these two different ways today. But he gets to Jerusalem, and he sees the town, and he sees the city, and it was supposed to be a fortified city, and it's broken down, it's in rubble, it's disparity for all of them, because they believe that God's sending them back to this place that they get to go to. And, and Nehemiah sees it, and it's all in rubble. And he's like, what, what do we do? And so when they get to this, back to Jerusalem, you know, they, they were in Babylon. It's a long journey from Babylon, a different foreign country, to their homeland of Jerusalem, where the Israelites, or the Hebrews, if you will, were from. And they look at this city, and they're broken. And Nehemiah says, we've got to rebuild this wall. And if you're familiar at all with the story, he takes people, and it says he's got like, you know, a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other. And they worked and worked for 52 long days, all together to rebuild this wall. It's an incredible accomplishment with thousands and thousands of people and different tribes from Israel 
doing this together, getting this accomplished. And here it is, right here in chapter 7, chapter 8, finally some of them are home and they're looking around and, and they've seen all their enemies, they've seen everything in disarray. In fact, it, it might not seem that, that big of a deal to us, but God told them they were not allowed to marry any Babylonian women and they had. And so now they brought their Babylonian women with them and, and they've got these intermarriages that they weren't supposed to have. It's, it's been just like, they've been living outside of God's will, they've been living outside of what God wanted, and here they show up, and finally they get to return home. So there's, there's like sadness, there's heart, this is like a dire time for these people, and there's heartache everywhere, but now they're standing in the city square. They've rebuilt the wall. They're looking at it. They finally have it. After 52 long days, they have rebuilt. It's like Legos right now for me. I'm so pumped. It's really bad. All right, there we go. They rebuilt it. And they're like, yeah, but, but they're still down. God did something remarkable, almost miraculous through them. But yet they felt disparity. It's starting to look like a new city. And in chapter 7, chapter 8... They gather together a group of... They gather every single person they can possibly find who's an Israelite or, or a Hebrew. And it's over 50,000 people. This is a, these are real people. And so just imagine this. We read it as a Bible story, but you've got to remember, this is history. Here they are, 50,000 some people. This is, like, this is like the city of Coon Rapids showing up for a meeting. This is, this is a lot of people. That's a ton of people. They don't have microphones yet, you know? They're like yelling and they got to transfer it back to the next person who can't hear it. I mean, he's, he's trying to do this. And so there's this priest named Ezra. Some believe it's the same Ezra from Ezra and Nehemiah. Some believe otherwise. We're not going to go there. You can Google that on your own. And, and he stands on a platform and he gets ready to speak to everybody. He had the book of the law for you and me. What that is, is the first five books of our Bible, starting with Genesis. And he grabs it and he starts reading the words aloud. Here it is, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3. It says, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Okay, hold on a second. If I invited you back tomorrow for a special church service... And I said, you know what we're going to do? All we're going to do is we're going to read the Bible. From sun up till noon. Ain't none of you coming. You sinner. No, no. I... But here's why. Here's why. Gloves off. And I don't mean this to sound condemning at all because I'm in the same place. We're not as desperate as they were for it. They were so hungry for the Word of God. They were so desperate for a move of God. They didn't care. They went without water. They had been fasting. They're standing there for like eight, some, six to eight hours. He read it from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively. I love that. To the book of the law. Because you know like somebody's going to drown out. No, nobody. They're all just like glued to it. 50,000 people standing, listening for six to eight hours straight. That's desperation. Next verse, 9-9 nine, nine here. The last part says, For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. See, what happened, they had been living outside of God's best for them. I don't know about you, but there's often times in my life I feel like maybe I'm living outside of God's best. Sometimes it's good, you know, and good is the enemy of great. I believe God wants His best for all of us, and we're going to talk about what that looks like in just a moment. But each of us here, 
I don't care where you're at in life today. Maybe you've been successful in business. Maybe you've been successful in politics or, or school or, or you know, whatever it might be. Maybe you're doing great in school. Or maybe you're on the flip side of that. Maybe you're having a horrific time. But each of us has experienced moments where we feel like losers. Okay? We've seen defeat. We've seen brokenness, misery, just as these Hebrews did. We've suffered from, from guilt or failure and this grief and these loss. They're, they're, they're our itinerary periodically. Like it's just part of our life sometimes. Well, the people are stunned that Ezra's reading this. In fact, it says in chapter 9, how can we not weep? That's what they're saying amongst each other. Like, it's been horrible. We've got the book of law. Things are looking good. The wall's rebuilt. We've got the law and, you know, the God of whom we serve. But they're still, like, crying. That was their foundation. It says here in 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. It, uh, those that have nothing, those are the ones in poverty. The ones that have nothing. So everybody's joining today. This is a party for everybody. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Say it with me. For the the Lord is your strength. Now say it like you actually believe it. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's my strength. It's your strength. Nehemiah says, he's literally saying, if you know Hebrew at all, what he's literally transposing to the congregation there at the temple, he's saying this. He's saying, delight in Jehovah is a strong refuge to take hold of. You've got to hold on. He's the one that will bring you joy. You're to rejoice in him. You see, they had been sinning. Now I know that's, it's in the Bible, so it doesn't really apply to us. None of us here have ever sinned. We've never done anything wrong. But in the Bible they had. Every good person in the Bible is messed up some way. Okay? Thank God none of us have done that. They've been marrying into these Babylonian families. They've been fasting. They've been mourning. And, and, and it was basically like Nehemiah saying, No, no, no! That's a new foundation. We're done with that. We need, to, we need something new. You need to realize it's time to have the joy of the Lord because that's your strength. Because look at what God has done in your life. Do you realize how blessed you are? Do you realize what God has brought you out of to where you are now? Do you realize that God has done that in spite of you? Amen. And that's what he did. And they're like, wow. And, I mean, seriously, I don't drink, but Nehemiah's like, it's party time. You know, we're cracking the case, man. All right, that's, Okay. It was platinum. All right. Wow. If you laughed at that, you are a sinner. All right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So here's what I want to do. I want to pull a few things here out of this this morning and pull this all together for you. Number one, what you believe to be your foundation becomes the foundation of your beliefs. What you believe is your foundation becomes the foundation of your beliefs. Pretend this isn't the wall anymore. Pretend this is you. Okay? Each one of you here has different foundations. Now, some of you are clinical psychologists. I'm not. I've taken some psych stuff. But in psychology, what it says is the formative years, picture these. Those are the things that have been laid or there. Now, this, this, let's just say this is the perfect wall. I'm not an art, artist by any means. But for some of us, down here, we've had parents tell us we're not good enough. We've had parents that have said, 
you know what, you're, you're, uh, we like your sister better. Or you, you've had parents that have said, um, you know what, uh, we aborted your brother but we kept you. Or, or maybe you have other things where you thought you were a failure the whole time or, or you were physically abused or, or you were sexually abused or, or there was misconduct in your life. And, and those have been foundations. And, and God's saying, I want you to have the joy of the Lord, but you're going, I don't know how to do that because my foundation's here still. There's only one person that can remove that and change that. Okay? Maybe it looks like this. Maybe you never had that foundation. Maybe you've got some of those things missing. You've been trying your whole life to figure it out and push it back in there and shove it back. You don't have this brick. Only God does. It's only Him that's going to be able to repair that foundation and when it comes to changes foundationally in behaviors, you study psychology, it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, you will fight and wage war the rest of your life trying to do it. And it's only through the grace of Jesus Christ that can give you the power to become who you're called to become. And it's having the right foundation. Okay? Because what you believe about your foundation will literally become the foundation of what you believe about you. Okay? What do you think of yourself? Well, it doesn't matter. It matters what God thinks of you. When we start having that as the foundation. You see, the Hebrews missed it. They were like, they, didn't, they couldn't even see the fact that the city had now been fortified. That some of them were out of the slavery and out of the oppression. They couldn't realize it. They didn't even see it because they were so focused on 70 years of oppression. 70 years we've got to worship this other God. We didn't even know what it said in the law. And oh my gosh, we've sinned and we've done this. And so it's so easy to just focus on this rather than what they were meant to. They were meant to have freedom. We don't know what happened after. Maybe some of them became free. Maybe some of them were still stuck in this. You have a choice today. You know what some of those foundational things are. I know what mine are. Okay? You have to figure out what are those things that need to be replaced. Because let me just say this. This one. Maybe you felt like you had to perform for love. Well, you know what God does? He redeems it. He puts a new brick there where it's love that's on earth. And what he does is he takes this brick where you had to earn the love and he goes, you know, we're going to redeem that. We're not going to get rid of it and throw it at somebody. We're going to redeem it. I'm going to realize that I'm going to love those without them having to earn it. Now I'm going to turn it around. We sing about God using what the enemy meant for evil for good. And that's what God does. He turns that around. Number two. Start putting into focus your potential rather than your limitations. They didn't even realize their potential. Can you imagine? This was a whole city of Jerusalem. Like, map it out. Okay? What's it, what's it called in math? Where, where you like measure something in that kind of distance? What's that called? Perimeter? Perimeter. Yeah, I got it. Alright. So, you measure out the perimeter. You see how big that is in Jerusalem. It's enormous. They did it in 52 days. I don't care if it is 50,000 people. This was a miracle. But what they focused on wasn't their potential of what they could eventually do, but of who they were. And that's where they got stuck. Let me just show you one more illustration here this morning. Um, can everyone see that? You might have to turn a little bit. Just imagine right now that this is... It's really heavy. Um, that this is you, okay? And, and this, this picture represents you. And basically, a lot of times we think, all right, I'm living my potential. I've got it all figured out. I'm there. I've arrived. I, I, I have it. I, I, I'm good. I'm filled up. I, I'm, I'm doing everything right. And I'm speaking into you. I've got the right foundation now. And I've got it. 
And we go, all right. And every single one of these represents a part of you. And, and you think, all right, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm all completely filled up. And if you can't see that with the glare, there's just a bunch of a landscape rock in here. But here's what I want to show you. I believe every single person within this church has more potential than you even realize. You have more potential than you know what to do with it. I'm, gloves are coming off right now. So many of you in here are leaders. And I've, I've told you that. You know what? 99% of the time you say, oh, I'm not a leader. I couldn't be a leader. Yeah, you could. Own it. Own it. Realize when people call things out of you, they're speaking into you. And be okay with that because what they're doing is they're speaking into your potential. They're speaking into the foundation and they're helping kind of put the, you know, the cement in between the bricks to lay those layers of foundation and allow them to do that. Because here's what happens. This is where we all think we're, you know, we're here. I mean, have you ever met somebody and you're like, man, I, I can't believe they're in that job. Because it just doesn't line up with who they are. We've all met that person. If you haven't, you're probably the person. Okay? But you have to realize that there's more potential that God has for you. He's calling you to life just as He did the Israelites. Let me show you this. I love this. They, they won't all go in here. But what we don't realize is the little gaps in our potential until somebody else shows it to us. And if you watch this carefully, when I dump these, these P-Rocks, you'll notice some of them go all the way down. There's more room in there. Okay? It keeps going. It keeps adding more and more and more. You don't realize that. Okay? But I want you to see that today. My prayer for you today is not that you would see the potential you have. That's not my prayer. My prayer is that you would actually believe it. I got one more thing that I want to share this morning, okay? This to me is the most important one out of all three. You will only make new patterns by breaking old patterns. You're only going to make new patterns by breaking old patterns. You see, the Hebrews had to break this pattern of years of tears, years of tyranny, years of oppression, years of slavery. They had to realize they could be filled with joy now. Some of you have had just horrific church experiences growing up. We're like, I don't even want to go to church anymore. You invite people and they don't want to go because they've had horrific experiences. Every single one of us has met that person, though, who has a pattern, you know? Have you ever, you ever noticed how everyone else around you has a pattern in their life? You ever seen that? You know? And sometimes I realize, I'll see people's pattern, I'll, you know, I'll be like, okay, they're, they're a workaholic, that's their thing. Or, or I'll have lunch with them and they can't get off their phone the whole time. They just got to text the whole time without looking at me in the eye at all. Or, or they have a pattern of, they're glued to pornography and they're trying to hide it. It's the secret sin that they're ashamed of. And, they don't have to, and what they have to realize is that God has new life for them. But it's a pattern that they're stuck in because of these foundations that are laid or have been laid. And it's the incorrect ones. It's the wrong response that God has. God wants you to know there's a new foundation. There's a new way. Every single one of us has a pattern. But it's hard for us to see our own pattern. You got to ask somebody you trust. Ask a pastor. Ask a friend. Ask a spouse. Don't ask your kids. You know, in the New Testament, I love this. And for me... Speaking into this, we might say, well, well, the Hebrews' pattern was they were, 
filled with depression. They were filled with anxiety. And, and, and uh, I believe some of you are. I believe some of you have dealt with despondency, anxiety, and some of it's closet because you're ashamed of it, and you shouldn't be. Some of it's clinical, and you need to see somebody. And then other of it, it's a foundation that you continue to put back. That's what the, the Hebrews had. They had to get out of that. They had to see a new light. A pattern for you, specifically, is something Paul did. Paul, the apostle, figured out a new pattern. So let's go to the New Testament just for a moment. He said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice when? Always. Rejoice. In other words, be joyful always, even when it sucks. So what, that's literally what he means. It says sucks in the Greek. I'm just saying. Alright? Pray continue like pray without ceasing. All the time pray. Okay, so what does that look like? I just gotta be on my knees all the time. Here I am, God, I'm at the altar, I'm at the church. This is where you want. No, 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 no. You're conversing with him all day long. The guy cuts you off. And your language changes a different foundation. Lord, help me not give him a finger discount this morning. Help me bless him. Lord, change my foundation. Change the way I think, I feel, I see. Change who I am because nothing else can. And I guarantee if you've been trying other things, try something new. Try Jesus. Okay? It will change your life. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul had been beaten, bruised, in prison, broken. He was a murderer, a slanderer. And here's what he says. You know why? God changed his foundation. God saw his potential, poured into the Apostle Paul, which we get two-thirds of our New Testament in the Bible from, that we're able to experience and live out. I'm going to end with something, and I'm going to pray for you. Things will never change until you have that relationship with Christ. That's where you get to pray all the time. You have, and he's not like just a get out of hell free card. He's there because he loves you. If you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today, and I'm going to pray for you. We're not going to, it's not going to be a weird thing. I'm just going to pray for you. The second is this Are there any phrases that you have pet peeves of? I have one I want to share today. I have, a, I have a pet peeve that I want to end with. But I believe God's going to redeem it. I just heard my wife ask my son right now, which one do you think he's going to say? <laughs> you got to be more quiet in church. That's, that's... I've never seen her so red. Um... None of us here are perfect. Every single one of us made mistakes. We've screwed up. Maybe you're still in stuff and you don't know a way out. He's given you a way out. One of the phrases, it's my pet peeve, and I hear people say this because they're in things that God never intended them to be in, is this. I hear people say, well, you know, they got the foundation messed up a little bit, and they go, you know what, I was just born that way. I hate that phrase, but at the same time I love it because I agree with it and here's why. Whether you were or were not born that way, if you say that's the way I was born, this is why you must be born again. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. That you love us. That you give us salvation. 
God, you've created us. You love us so much, God. You love this church. You love this community. Father, right now, I pray for every person here, Lord, that the bricks of the foundation in their life change to what they need to be, that they see their potential. Lord, and if they feel like, that's the way I'm always going to be, they would see that they can be born again by you, made fresh and made anew today. Right now, just just as I'm praying, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, actually. This is what I want to ask you. This morning, as I'm praying, and I just want you to pray these words with me. You don't have to speak them out loud, but just speak them in your heart. If you believe this morning that's the day that you either need to recommit your life to Christ or commit to Him for the first time, then just pray this with me and pray this in your heart. Jesus, I've screwed up. I know that I've made mistakes, but I know that you love me. Lord, I know that you gave your life for me, and today I just want to make it right. God, forgive me of my past and allow me to have the future you've called me to have, the things destined you've placed in front of me to walk through, the things that you've given me that you see that no one else can. God, I'm saying yes to you today. Jesus, I'm saying yes to a relationship with you. I'm saying yes for you to speak into my life. I'm saying yes for you to challenge me. For Yes for you to convict me. Yes to you to call me out on the things that I need to be called out on. I'm saying yes to you. Have my life today, Lord. I surrender it to you. I surrender my family to you. I surrender our church to you, God. And I just pray that you would have your way in us today. God, I pray that before any of us walk through those doors this morning on the way out of here, that something through your Holy Spirit, by your power, would resonate within our spirits and would change us from this day forward. Maybe it's a foundational thing. Maybe it's a new call to salvation. Maybe it's realizing that I'm not, I'm not in the job I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing the thing that, that you've created me for. And, and it's, it's either fear or faith that I have to choose of how to get out of. And I pray that you'd give every person your strength to choose that faith. But before we open that door, we head on that sidewalk, we walk on the tar, we open up our car door, and we drive to the left or to the right on the way out of here. Before we do that, right now in our hearts, we would choose to believe you, to believe our potential, to see the foundational issues that we need to change only by your grace, or to say yes to a relationship with you and to live it out from this day forward. Have your way in the people of this church today, God. And anyone who's listening on the podcast or online, God, would you have your way in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, and we bless you, we honor you, and we worship you. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. Come on, can we do that? Come on, lift him up. Come on. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.